The Incomparable. Number 220. November 2014. Welcome back to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell. We are here in this uh, very special episode to talk about web comics. That's right, comics found in webs. Put there by spiders. Joining me to talk about web comics tonight <laughs> are the following fine people Glenn Fleischman. Hello. Hello, a pleasure to be here, Mr. Snell. Welcome to the web. Thank you. I've, heard, I've heard of it. I'm still dubious about it. I think it's a fad. I think you're right. Erica Ensign also here. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the web of comics. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to be caught in the web. All right. Tony Tony Sindelar. We'll see what happens later. You may regret this choice. Uh, Tony Sindelar <laughs> also here. Hi, Tony. Hello, nerds. <laughs> <laughs> the classic Tony. Uh, you're gonna. That's gonna be your thing now. You're gonna be Mr. Hello Nerds. That you know? is. It's my thing in real life. I'm just okay. making it my thing on the internet now. So. Okay. Good. And John Syracuse. Hello. No more catchphrases. Yeah, I think that's probably also. Also, web comic is one word. It's yes. not web comic. It's web comic. Wow. No. No. Web comic is a comedian. Waste no time. Who is stuck in a web, <laughs> and that is totally different. It's like a comedian Spider Man doesn't like. Is a web comic. Uh, so web comics, these are like I said, comics that you find on the web. And we had a conversation on our little mailing list uh, behind the scenes about web comics, and I was really excited by um, by the conclusion of Nimona by Noel Stevenson, um, and that and uh, I have have read like three web comics ever. But everybody on the panel was like, oh. oh Oh, let's talk about webcomics. I love webcomics. And I thought, okay, well, I can sit here and nod and say, I read Nimona and I really liked it. And uh, XKCD is a thing, right? (laughs) And then everybody else can talk about actual webcomics that people, uh, that they like and that people should look at. Because these are comics that you can find on the internet. Did you know? Hey, people out there, did you know that you could read comics on the internet? It's true. They have webcomics on the internet now? There are. One word, though, (laughs) webcomics. Uh, so this is not a draft because quite frankly after three rounds I would be out of ideas and that's only if nobody took any of the three things that I've read so instead I thought this would be more of the easygoing meandering let's talk about some web comics that we like and, and, and commend them to the folks out there um, John Syracuse do you have either an opening statement or something you would like to discuss <laughs> about web comics I didn't know what the format of the show was going to well, be well neither did uh, I so and, welcome uh, I, I didn't remember if I had RSVP for it either. Uh, I don't have an opening statement, but when I was thinking about the topic, I realized I've read a lot of webcomics, surprising amount. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, I have I have selections, I have things I like, but I do not have an opening statement. All right. I actually have, I, I don't think it counts as an opening statement. It but... is now. Go for it. <laughs> okay, here I go. <laughs> uh, you know, last time we talked about reading, I had I'd crammed a bunch of novels before we recorded. Right. And uh, this time I have been cramming webcomics because I, I tend to go through webcomic cycles where I will read a few for a couple of years and then something happens, I lose a job or something, and I lose track for a year or two or three or more. And then eventually <laughs> I remember and then I catch up on what I've missed and stay current for like a year or two and, you know, lather, rinse, repeat. Um, so the last time I was heavy into webcomics was like five years ago. I, I figured it out. And that was that's probably the longest gap I've gone. 
And I was reading at that time, I think six of them pretty regularly. Wow. And for some of them, that was every single day. Uh, and then I got a new job. So the losing track of them phase started up again. And uh, so now I guess I have to say thank you, Jason, uh, <laughs> for being the catalyst of me entering the reading webcomics phase again, because I have spent the last two weeks reading about five years worth of a couple of my favorite comics, which has actually been really fun. Of course, now I'm uh, I had so much material to binge on at the time, and now I've got like withdrawal shakes trying to go back to just one a day. It's a little sad. Things we do for podcasting. Yep. Yeah, like read our favorite comics. Yeah, or, I know. And novels and things. Such a chore. It's what you got to do. Uh, anybody want to talk a little bit I, I, uh, on their own? Glenn, I, I sense you might want I, to say I, something. I have an opening statement. So. Okay. First of all, well. Uh, well, so uh, I've always been a comics fan, and um, I'm going. I don't know if this is Glenning or not, but back in the late 1990s, I wound up writing quite a bit it for is. the yep. New York Times about um, comics on the web, sort of the nascent days of web comics, and um, when people were taking like Scott Adams was was early on, but even people like I know this will sound ridiculous, but Frank and Ernest, which is still running, the creator is a super nice guy, passed away a few years ago. His kids still run it. It's one of these sort of pun strips so you know i have to like it mm-hmm. it's it's dad humor and it's been dad humor forever very clever guy phd in psychology and anyway so he he had gone on they put an email address in his strip at somewhere in the late 90s and they were getting like thousands of emails a year which stunned them about a pun strip basically and uh and i remember seeing like these little glimpses there was a strip called uh Alex's restaurant and like a few like early things that were people who had been conventional cartoonists or maybe not broken into the syndicate market and had started to post things sometimes every day and were just playing with the idea of being not comics that were somewhere else put on the web because that's the only way you could have made a living to do it. But like I say, like that, uh, uh, putting you know, making them web comics. And Michael Jancy, who's still very active and does uh, an animation studio that animates other people's web comics in his own, he was very, very early, and, and you can still find him active. And he may be one of the few people who has a scope that spans sort of the entire, you know, early period to now of, of being a web cartoonist. And that is all I have to say. It's a great field. Tony, do you have any uh, any statements you would like to make, or or would you like to the, decry previous statements? Yes. I'll just say I've been reading web comics for... Uh, a long time now, since around 1998, and it's like it's like the first thing I do every morning. Wow! Um, some people, Ooh. some people like newspapers. For me, it's like I read web comics, and then I start working through my email, and then you know, then I do real work. That's how I do my my day. Wow! I don't know what year is it now. I don't know. I I'm lost track. Okay. But like it's, 98 uh, is a while ago, like right? 1999. Yeah, sure. I will say my ways of reading them has changed a little bit over the years. Um, but yeah. You're reading them on your computer, on an iPad, on an iPhone, uh, you know, on mainly, a mainly on the internet, on a computer. Uh, I on remember the internet. having to rely on bookmarks, and I would have bookmark folders for uh, like comics that were only once a week. I would have like the Monday folder, oh. and I would click on that, and it would open all the, uh, you know, all the Monday comics, and you would read those. Whereas now we have things like RSS or or other things where it gets pushed to us. So. See, my method of reading the, the few web comics that I've read is Erica's method, which is you forget. And then yep. you remember and you're like, ooh, I haven't been there in a little while. And you go and you find that there are like eight pages that you haven't read. And you read them and then you're like, oh, man. And then you forget for another. Occasionally that happens with like like when it, when a feed will break and I'll realize I haven't read that in a long time. Did they? It's hard because some comics like kind of trickle and fade in and out. And sometimes it's like, nope, they broke their feed and I have to go find their new feed. And oh, look, I get to reread. I get to read for the first time six months of, of their comic <laughs> all at once. Um 
but you know, and then the number has uh, ebbed and flowed. It, there, I think there was at one point, probably in the uh, early two thousands, where I was probably reading about a, uh, twenty or thirty, and I have pared that down to maybe like a dozen now. And you know, I, I did the like, I'm not going to start reading new comics, and thankfully these people are like, they can't keep making the same comic forever, so they'll die off uh, and to a manageable. <laughs> the level. comics, not the people. E- either way, oh, um, <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, comics. Yeah, sure. <laughs> It's kind of a shame that web comics, like as all one word, is so all encompassing. Because I think for other comics, like when we say comic books, everyone knows kind of what we're talking about, right? right? And then when we say comics without the books, it's like three panel gag strips in the newspaper. But when you say, uh, I don't know, I, I would say I would say comic strip. Is comic strip. There you go. That's what I'm looking for. Comic strip, comic book, right? But when you say web comics, it encompasses basically. Any thing that yeah. has pictures with words that's mm-hmm. on the web, because the web part was deemed to be the most important part, and so it covers everything. Yeah. Like, and it does. And you know, not all comics are the same, too, right? I mean, not all comics are thirty-two pages, you know, stapled. I know, but like, there is there is no right? comic book that is a one-panel pun-based. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. That you wouldn't go to a comic book store, find a comic book, open it up, only to find a gigantic far side on the single page that's there. Like, that's not a thing that you buy. I have a collection that is that. Just one page comic books. It's it's one page comics in a, assembled in a book. So well, I mean, it's like the yeah. far side tear off calendars, but it, you know, depends it, how it would, was originally produced. You wouldn't think yeah. of it as a comic book, but anyway, the webbiness just seemed to win out. So now everything that's on the web is a web comic, which makes it difficult to like when you guys were all talking about things that you read. I could have to like kind of sniff out: is he talking about like a serialized thing with like a narrative that goes over a series of things? Is he talking about a gag strip? Is he talking about mm-hmm. you know like you can't really tell just based on web comics. The the great thing too is that a, any given thing you read could actually morph from one thing to yeah. another. So there's stuff that sticks strictly to a form, but there are certainly sites I read where sometimes it's one panel, sometimes it's like forty feet, sometimes there's like animation and uh, other stuff built into it. I mean, usually animation is a bigger thing, but even like GIF animation and the fact that some people stick to a format that's not necessary because they're on the web, and others, uh, you know push in all different directions mm-hmm. with it as well. The infinite canvas, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, yeah exactly. well, XKCD's time won the Hugo Award, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it is, I, I forget exactly how, it's essentially an animation or... You, you, I, I, it's hard to describe what it is. Right, it, yeah. It is, a, it is so a story hard. over uh, 3,099 unique images, and it won, uh, but it won, it didn't win the dramatic presentation, Hugo. It, it won the uh, graphic story, Hugo, which is interesting because it's kind of animation, but it's kind of a series of stills. And that's just one example of, I mean, not only is it a webcomic, not only do you have webcomics that could be comic strips or comic books in serial form, but you've also got the fact that it's this dynamic medium and a webcomic can be all sorts of things in the middle that yeah. are not something we could define. I was in college in the early 2000s and I knew a bunch of people who were involved in making comics uh, for like the college newspaper, right? And that was kind of a weird time because there would be things that would start as a web comic that would then become a print comic, and there would be things that would start as a print comic that would then become a a, a web comic. And you know, some people like different things about the different format or who they would reach. Uh, uh, but to a certain extent, it was like, why make a comic that would only be printed in your college newspaper uh, when you could put it on the web and reach <laughs> a, a much larger audience, right? right? Um, you know, and some people jump back and forth and would, you know, have a set of characters and produce separate, separate comics for each. Uh, but, yeah. Well, there's the commercial aspect, too, which is that webcomics have been a spectacularly successful 
form for people in a profession that has very few people who actually make a living at it in the in the olden days. Like there's some professions where like editorial cartoonists is a great example is there used to be not that long ago thousands of people in America whose full-time job was drawing a few editorial cartoons a week and occasionally writing and now there are like 112 or something right and there's some alt cartoonists many of whom I I know um, because there's a small circle on Twitter and uh but like you look at cartoon car, comic strips there was always a finite hole in the paper uh, that they could fill and the and it was a power law curve distribution so peanuts was in every paper and calvin hobbs was when it ran and so forth so there weren't that many slots uh, that could be filled and the web gave infinite opportunity but that doesn't always mean it can be exploited but web cartoonists i think or web comics managed to somehow do this great thing which is not only give people a place that they don't have to, you know, there's no limit to what they could do and they can control it, but to find an audience that's willing in many cases to pay enough in some manner by page mm-hmm. views or books or Kickstarters or whatever that that there are a lot of people who they make some of their living and a reasonable number who make a full-time living from it. And that's actually kind of extraordinary. I mean, there's I think there's at least hundreds, if not in the thousand or more who derive, a, you know, a, a substantive part of a living, if not better from it. And the way that has kind of emerged is somewhat interesting. I remember I did in college, I looked it up around 2001, a presentation uh, for a class on the future of micropayments and how that was going mm. to change everything. You'll remember that that then never happened. <laughs> everyone's going to pay a penny to read their comics. Yeah, everyone's going to pay a penny to read webcomics. Totally. Remember when that happened and then didn't work out? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any day now. Micropayments. <laughs> The answer was actually T-shirts. So close. Yeah, the answer The answer was T-shirts. I missed it. <laughs> Macro payment is actually pretty cool, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, actually, in, in going back and rereading and catching up on some of these things, uh, one of them I noticed that the creator had a Patreon page, so I went and I pledged. Mm-hmm. That's a, which is a good way to do it. I went at a Comic-Con a few years ago in San Diego. I, I went to a digital comics panel and uh, heard the guy. Now I, I'm not going to remember his name, and I really like It's the guy who does... Uh, uh, Love and Capes, whose name escapes me, which is a fun um, webcomic. Uh, Tom Zoller is his name. Uh, and it's a webcomic about a superhero and his dating life. And it's actually pretty fun. Um, but the point of the panel was that a lot of the webcomics people, including the Love and Capes guy, Tom, um, they actually started structuring their comics uh, at roughly the uh, orientation or, and uh, aspect ratio of half of a printed comic book page <laughs> so that they could stack them and do a print edition every so often of what they did, which I thought was an interesting way of going backward into a print medium in order to sell books by coming up with a way to structure your webcomic in a way that, you know, eventually it assembles itself. And this is one kind of webcomic, right? Is the, the thing that's, that's actually like a comic book or a graphic novel, but it's being assembled in, in, in pieces right in front of you, which is, was my experience with Nimona as well, which starts out, um, much more punchliney, you know. Every page is a pun- has a punchline at the end, and over the course of uh, of time, it becomes something that's much more about the continuing story, and that the, there doesn't have to be a punchline. But um, that's the one of the great things about this format is that it can be plotted to go into other formats later um, and be as serialized as you want it to be, as well as completely not if you don't want it to be. Yeah, I, I had uh, two comics that I wanted to talk about one obscure one well-known but speaking of like how comics can morph and be different things on the web one aspect of web comics that i've that really drew me into it is the idea that 
you can participate in the you can be there for the birth of something so the, the, this this one comic that comic that i doubt well maybe maybe tony's heard of it uh it's called alpha shade it was kind of a failed comic experiment and i don't know how i came to start following it but they did a podcast that was associated with it and it's two brothers working on this sort of in their spare time one of them is a graphic artist by trade and he was drawing it and the other one drives trains for a living and he wrote it and they would podcast about their experience of trying to do the comic and fit it into their lives and how they how they wanted it to be successful but didn't know how they were ever going to do it with their other responsibilities and uh how they wanted to make print books out of it to make money and they would go to comic conventions and say how successful it was or wasn't and talk about the time and effort required to put in the pages and then and the difficulty of keeping to a schedule and that's not really part of the comic but web comics like so many other things on the web let you sort of feel like you are participating in the whole thing you never got to see like the creative process behind like peanuts or whatever maybe you saw like a news story once or whatever but in the web comics you got to see everything the entire struggle and alpha shade in particular is interesting because it was essentially a a web comic that didn't didn't fulfill the dreams of its creator. It didn't make them financially independent. They didn't all get to quit their, quit their jobs and just do the comic full-time. And in fact, the comic is not done, and they probably bit off way more than they can chew. But it is a fascinating uh, experiment, a, a fascinating artifact of the creative process. And uh, it's it's alpha-shade.com if you want to pull up some pages of it if you've never seen it before. The artwork is absolutely amazing, especially compared to sort of the average web comics. Not that I'm slamming web comic artists, but artistic ability is not the most important thing especially if you're writing a gag strip but the artwork is incredible and it does get much better from the beginning towards the end the writing not so incredible the world much bigger than they could think of but than they could possibly pull off but it is a fascinating i'm not going to say failure but it's a fascinating sample of something that can only happen on the web because you would never i would never have heard of these people they would never get a book deal they would never you know have a half-finished story on shelves somewhere. Like, they would have had to go through an editorial process. It, I would not have been able to see this thing at all, probably, let alone see the entire sort of creative process of it. And that uh, is an aspect of webcomics that kind of, I guess it's kind of like a reality TV aspect where you feel like a connection with the creators, more, much more so than you would anything you would buy in a store uh, in decades past. I completely agree. Um, one of the ones that I caught up on was uh, questionable content. And one of the mm-hmm. reasons that I like that comic so much is that um, after the end of every comic, the the author puts in, you know, sometimes it's just a, you know, hey, come and see me at such and such a convention. But quite often it's like a, a little comment on the story or the the strip that you saw that day and quite often it seems like he is as surprised at what happened in the strip as I am or that the you know the characters did something he didn't expect and I just always find that kind of hilarious and I I don't know if it's still going but for a while the many of the characters uh in the comic actually had their own twitter accounts and he had them tweeting back and forth <laughs> yeah. and you could follow all of them and it was just uh it was it was kind of it, it was just great because i really from reading so many years of this comic i felt like all of these characters were were my friends and and going back and catching up on the last five years was was really cool <laughs> it was like my life had been changing and and i was growing and and they were too they their lives had moved on and 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 it was cool catching up and um, I should look and see if they still have Twitter accounts because that would be <laughs> be kind of cool. I, I like that comic a lot too. It's like the ancillary materials, like 
like the blog posts that associate that are associated with a lot of comics or podcasts or other things like other like sort of extra material surrounding the comic that the comic is the thing Mm -hmm. but there's like this expanded universe of content from the author that is just always surrounding there's the communities the forums that you're on there's the blog post the news post the you know even the merchandise that they sell forms this world around this work and it's all like one thing there's this Mm -hmm. comic i like uh that's pretty popular cat and girl and uh, the artist and writer uh, solicits donations um, for maintaining the comic. And she then draws a comic about spending the money that she gets on donations. I'm like, <laughs> here's the groceries I bought. Here's the, you know, here's me paying my cable bill. You know, here's, here's, <laughs> here's buying one tank of gas so I could, you know, do, do some important thing, right? Well, it's interesting to think about it, too, that a lot of these comics, I mean, they, if you draw that line back to the con- newspaper comic strips, especially, um, mm-hmm. That was something that it didn't. It didn't have a world around it like like what what you guys are describing. It, it wasn't a website, an ancillary material, and an expanded universe. It was literally like a comic strip in a row, you know, in a in a column with a lot of different comic strips, and it would change mm-hmm. day by day. And it certainly had its fans, right? But it was in no context other than the comics page inside the newspaper, and you you know, Peanuts by Schultz, okay, and then that's all you really knew, and and. The most you might get is like my my brother. Um, when I was little, I remember he had some uh, Peanuts books, and then when I was like nine or whatever, I got some Garfield books, and it was like, oh my god, it's a whole book of just Gar- Garfield comics, and it was really nothing more than the comics, but yet it it was like this is just about Peanuts or Garfield or whatever. And that's the great thing about web comics is that they can be their own thing. They're their own product. They're their own world. They've got everything around them. If you really love them, you can know all of these things about them that when they were just a thing stuck in the corner of the newspaper, I mean, you literally couldn't glean anything more beyond what was in the newspaper. That's why you'd buy those books from the comics from, you know, you'd buy the collections of like Bloom County or Calvin and Hobbes and they would yeah. have notes from the author about the strips. And that was I like know. gold. It's like, oh, they're going to talk about the strip that I read, you know, six months ago, or they're going to have an introductory paragraph or something. You just wanted anything from the creator of this thing you love. Or like these are the color versions that papers that printed in color used, but my paper didn't. And so I never saw them in color, even though they made them in color, stuff like that, too. I mean, it's yeah. So and that that's the thing about a webcomic is that it, it, it doesn't just change the form form of the of the comic that they can have it be infinitely long and have it be an animated gif or whatever they you know all these different things that you can do with the format but it's also that it's surrounded by all this stuff so that you can really connect to the creator and other fans in a way that you just can't if it's laying there flat on a on a page and that's an upgrade over the uh speaking of content of like the comic was in black and white uh i think it's an upgrade even over the best quality color printed like x-men comics not that it's high quality maybe but like for example alpha shade is done in 32-bit color in Flash. So it's resolution independence and has the full color palette available. Nothing on the printed page can compare with that. And, you know, especially in the pre-sort of dark horse, you know, graphic novel type of days where it was just, I don't know, how many colors were comics when you were a kid, Jason? Six, eight, 16? Well, they were, I mean, it was a four-color process, so they could be lots of colors, but it would be half Dithering. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Dithering. Yeah. Half-toned. We call half-toned. that half-toned in the Dithering. <laughs> All right, time for our first sponsor break. It's a new sponsor I'm excited to tell you about. It's Casper. You may have heard about Casper on some other podcasts. Let me tell you about it firsthand. I have been sleeping for the last week on a Casper mattress. Now, Casper is like the fusion of the sleep world with the technology world. There's a whole story about the people behind Casper being obsessed with engineering a great mattress at an incredibly good price. So 
The guys behind Casper are revolutionizing the mattress industry. They are cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and showrooms, cutting them out of the equation, passing that saving directly on to you, and doing it with a mattress that is one of a kind. It is what they call a hybrid mattress. It is a combination of premium latex foam with memory foam. They put those two together for better nights and brighter days because you sleep well. Now, I've had the queen-size Casper for about a week. Uh, I have to admit, I was a little bit skeptical. My wife was skeptical. But you know what? It is. It does not feel like my old spring mattress, which was really bouncy. This one, you just kind of lay on it and you sink into it. But it's really comfortable. I had a good night's sleep the first night. And that's saying something with a new mattress. And I've really enjoyed every night since then. So you should definitely check it out. Now, what do Casper mattresses cost? Is this one of those crazy $5,000 mattresses? No, it isn't. About 500 is where it starts for a twin, 600 for a twin extra long, go up from there, 750 for full, 850 for queen, 950 for king. And if you look at what mattresses are in the industry are priced at, that's actually a pretty darn good deal. In fact, people might say, how could they even do this? How do they do it? I don't know, some smart technology, cutting out the middlemen, shrink wrap. Because what happens is when you order a Casper, it comes to you in a box, surprisingly small box. And you think, okay, what have I gotten myself in? I I ordered the wrong size. What's going on here? And you cut the package open, the box open, and it unfurls and springs into full size. It's uh, pretty amazing. And if you want to put it back in the box, if you want to send it back to Casper, if you're unsatisfied, you know, you have those moments where like you buy a bed and you bought it and you're stuck with it, whether you like it or not. Not true with Casper. There's a free trial and return policy, free delivery and free returns within 100 days, 100 days. You could sleep on a Casper for three months and still have time to send it back if it just isn't for you. And Casper mattresses are made in the USA. So go give it a try. $50 toward any mattress. If you're in the market for a new mattress, please consider Casper. Visit casper.com, C-A-S-P-E-R.com slash incomparable and use the offer code incomparable and you'll get $50 off any mattress purchase. So thank you so much to Casper for giving me a good night's sleep and supporting the incomparable. The uh, I, w- I want to point out a, um, a kind of extreme example uh, of that, like the, the autobiographical element or like knowing more about the artist is Hyperbole and a Half by Ali Bush, which is one of the – it's almost, you know, it's genre defining inside a genre inside a genre, which is if you don't know her work. Has a, have other people read her stuff? I don't know. Oh, yeah. She, I, yeah. Haven't, I haven't gone back and, you know, <laughs> devoured it all, but I've read enough to know that that's something that's on my to-do list. Oh, my God. It's just – it's um, it's mind-blowing because it's very – personal and it's very funny and it's very dark all at once and um it's you know she's got severe depression and she had she was kind of a uh, you know it was a really weird kid and she writes these amazing things and she gets inside the head of what it was like at the time she's going through these things there's one of the more recent uh thing and, and hers go on and on and on and on i mean they're like book length um accounts almost and there's this one bit where she's so their parents give her a dinosaur costume when she's a little kid and she conveys the power she felt and the lack of control she suddenly exercised whenever she was wearing it and how long it took her parents to realize that her terrible behavior was whenever she was wearing the dinosaur costume but she 
tells you the story from inside that. And her drawing is sort of purposely, it's not, um, oh, I don't know, like fake, naive kind of style, but it's it's coarse in a really specific way. And when she wants to, it's it's better. But I think that's part of the way that she's representing these really jagged experiences. But it's, oh my God, is it funny? And then she released a book that has some stuff from uh, that's online. There's a lot more words in the book, let's say, um, and, and some that were new. And the book is powerful and amazing and whatever and and like other times you know laughing so hard i can't breathe sort of stuff and then others you're like oh my god this woman's talking about the deepest darkest point at which she just is telling people no it's okay i just want to die it's all right though it's fine it's just i don't have any feelings and i'd like to die and then realizing what that sounds like to other people and um it's but i don't i don't know if i can underestimate how how hilarious it is because it's so raw but also relatable and she she pushed the medium and she you know she's these web pages and she's one of these people this is something i'd point out too is so many of the people who are on the top of their profession i, I don't want to say nobody you know people like rich uh, stevens who's a friend friend of the show rich stevens yeah. uh diesel sweeties i mean he has been he's been cranking it out for uh, over a decade and working his ass off for that time but there are also the people like kate beaton or, uh, uh, you know, there's actually a number of people we can talk about, but, but Ali Bush and other folks who they just posted some sometimes modest stuff or one thing and people went berserk on Tumblr or Facebook and that encouraged them to do more. And suddenly, you know, Kate Beaton went from, I think, posting some sketches on Tumblr to a New York Times bestseller in under three years, two and a half years. Um, and her stuff is, is I mean, I'll, I'll, other people can talk about her too, I'm sure. But like that's the phenomenon too is that it's it, it's like music for artists. Like, hey, this person got discovered and then they're at top of the you know effective charts in New York Times bestseller list. That's uh, impressive. It's like music for artists. You just blew my mind. Um, <laughs> well, it's like chocolate for wine. So um, we should uh, take some time and let people extol the virtues. One of the things I like to do on this show, I really love doing, is uh, having people talk about things they like. And uh, that way other people get to hear about those things and then they could try them out. And I think that's really exciting. So I thought we would go around in a non-draft-like fashion and let people share some of the things that they like. Uh, John, do you want to start? Sure, I will pick the the for my no, it's not, not a pick. first pick not and a the pick. not first draft <laughs> no, no. non pick. Yes, uh, I will pick something the easy one that everybody knows that may be somewhat controversial, but I'm here to defend it. <gasps> oh no, and that, and that is the the quintessential web comic Penny Arcade. <gasps> This is this is not the episode where we talk about difficulties no, no. with the creators. That was the Scott <laughs> no, no, Card no. episode. Uh, Penny Arcade is a fantastic web comic. Uh, I think it's probably the first one I, I started to read regularly. It's a gag strip. It's about video games. Uh, it does the webcomic thing in that sometimes it's three panels, sometimes it's six, sometimes it's it's laid out like a graphic novel and goes on with continuity and there's no gag. Like, it does whatever the hell it wants to do. Uh, and in going through back through the catalog trying to find some links, there is a fantastic amount of content. First of all, it's it's can do what a webcomic can do, and it's a, a comic for people who are into video games, which that would never that doesn't work in a newspaper. You know, it should have during the NES era. There should have, you should have been able to have a comic strip <laughs> about uh, video games, but you couldn't, right? On the web, you can because you can connect creator and their audience, right? And in this comic, uh, yeah, it started off as a gag comic. Uh, the artist Mike could not draw very well in the beginning. That's that's a common thing, I think, in a lot of web comics. You look at the first mm-hmm. year and you're like, but it's, then a, they, it's 
in all comics because if you look at the first year of Peanuts or or dare I say it from my Bar- Garfield book reading years, I was actually <laughs> the first Garfield book I got. I was like, what the hell yeah. happened to Garfield? And the answer is he hadn't heard, he hadn't figured out how to draw yet. Well, well some, sometimes guys, you just go Doonesbury. into. He didn't figure out how to get a ghost artist for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. See, some, but sometimes it's like you're just learning how to make your characters in sort of a generic way. But other times you're actually expanding the, the, your artistry, and I think that's that's the case where you can see Mike develop as an artist, but. Some of the things I picked out from from their run as a couple of good gag strips that I like that, again, the gag strips only work if you have this deep, deep knowledge of video game culture that was happening at the time the strip was made. And so that connects with an audience because you're like, I know this and you know this, but very few other people do, but we find it hilarious. But then they do things like uh, the Paint the Line series, which was uh, a sort of 80s movie send up uh, involving ping pong. Uh, they do things like Automaton, which is a, a gritty noir sort of black and white comic about a robot detective and his partner. Uh, cardboard tube, tube Samurai, which is like a send up of uh, samurai movies, but with obviously with a cardboard tube, which is all born out of things that happen in their lives. Uh, and more recently, they had the Lookouts, uh, Thornwatch, and Daughters of the Ironwood, which is like here's the thing about Penny Arcade: these guys wanted to make a serious comic. Like when they were when they were kids, they wanted to make like the comics that they were reading, like, you know, The Dark Knight and stuff like that, like super serious, like everyone, you know, this is real art and everything. And yet what they found themselves making was a comedy strip. And so everything they do with the comedy strip, you can see the thing they wanted. It's like a, it's like a sideways, backwards way to be able to do things they wanted to do. So Cardboard Tube Samurai is a joke because his, his sword is a cardboard tube, but it's not a joke. It's also a samurai strip. And same thing with Automaton, which that's more straight up, I think, uh, or Paint the Line, like, it's again with being being with these people on their journey of how are we going to make money? Should we accept donations? They didn't think they ever did microtransactions, but they you know should we should we put out a print book? Them selling the rights to their to their uh, entire strip several times to unscrupulous business people. Them getting out of it. Them creating this entire business for themselves and the Penny Arcade Expo and all the other things. It is a fascinating story outside the strip, which you know goes off into other interesting directions. But the strip itself. This is a solid webcomic. This is an amazingly good webcomic. Just I have I have literally pages of what I think are fantastic examples of the form. And so despite all the other things of Penny Arcade being the 800-pound gorilla and all sorts of other non-comic related things that are involved with them, I think it's important not to lose sight of the fact that, you know, like uh, Ender's Game may have been a really good novel and this is a really, really good comic strip. <laughs> Yeah, I'll agree with you completely is that I, I've stopped reading it, but I think what they do, what they've done and what they do is actually really um, remarkable. And even their, uh, it's a fasc- fascinating thing to go back and look at their early strips and watch the drawing style improve fairly rapidly into something that's incredibly slick and professional and the, you know, the overall ability. Now, I forgot which is it, Jerry or is it uh, Gabe who does the drawing? I can't remember which. It's G- Gabe, right? Gabe. Mike, Mike is Gabe and he does the drawing. Mike is Gabe. And he's, ah, he's, 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 he's got, and he's gotten tremendous better as an artist and also yep. he's still not like awesome <laughs> you know that's the endearing quality like is this, this is somebody who if they were just working as like a traditional artist like not doing their own thing would probably not be hired to you know doing like animation hand-drawn anime like his his skills are never going to be sort of top tier top shelf kind of like uh whatever is the most recent age like what uh Silver Age? No, Jason could tell me. Whatever, whatever is the most recent <laughs> age of comics. He would not be in that in that camp. But because he is his own person, did his own thing, and because he has come so far, he's like he's good enough, and he and he pushes himself and does interesting things. 
he's achieved an apotheosis in his own milieu, right? Is that he's he he's kind of reached a point in the kind of thing he does. I mean, the art is very good, but it's also for what he does, he's the best at it in that space because it's the thing they defined. And he changes it all the time. Like, go back, like, uh, with these links, he changes his art style whenever the hell he feels like it. Why? Because mm-hmm. who's going to stop him? Yeah, I agree. I mean, and it's also, they have, there's there's canon, there's standalone strips, and I, I'm not, you know, a gamer myself. I barely know anything about video games except what I read. I don't play that many, and I found the strip very enjoyable at times because they provided just enough context where I could read some of the background uh, to uh, to find it and enjoy it as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of what they did separate from being able to read it anymore. Right. Yeah, that was actually one of the uh, one of the comics that was on my list, you know, five or six years ago. And I felt like one of the reasons I didn't even bother to go back to it is that I have kind of dropped off in gaming since then. But even at the time, I wasn't gaming as much as I had been in previous years. But I felt like that comic kept me connected to the gaming world in a way that I would have completely missed out on had I not been reading it. So I I kind of knew enough stuff peripherally to be able to to get most of the jokes. And then anything that didn't immediately twig to me i could kind of figure out or go you know off onto a forum somewhere or, or read the news post going on sometimes you yeah, just read exactly. the news post instead of actually looking yep. at the comic and you forget oh yeah there's a comic here too yep. exactly erica do you have something you would like to recommend well I, I mentioned briefly questionable content so i guess maybe i will uh talk about that i think it's probably at this point my favorite web comic um just after doing my <laughs> quick catch up this is the one i think i was the most excited about and i think it's because of the characters it's the the comic of, of all of the ones that i read that has the most realistic characters um because they sometimes act in ways that are unexpected but they're not unrealistic and i think that's an important distinction uh, there's no big gimmick to this comic um it's 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 definitely more a, a serialized kind of a thing it's not a gag strip although there are a lot of goofy gags in it uh, it's just sort of a, a simple story of a few people that live in uh, northampton massachusetts um you've got a uh, uh Martin, who's an indie rock aficionado who doesn't really know what he wants to do with his life. I can relate. Um, his friends, uh, he has a friend and roommate named Faye, who she's kind of just like whip smart and with a, a quick tongue to match. She sort of heaps abuse on the customers at the coffee shop where she works. And then that shop is run by Dora, who is a bisexual ex-goth uh, with an amazing talent for coffee roasting. Um, and then you've got Hanalore, who is just the super sweet character. She's a little shy and a lot OCD uh, because she grew up on a space station. And the world is also populated by robots with artificial intelligence. <laughs> um, They're like Pint Size, uh, who is Martin's anthro PC. He's mostly there for comic relief and really, really dirty jokes about cake batter. Um, and uh, it's just an interesting world. It's written by, uh, I think it's pronounced Jeff Jock. Jacques? I think that's it's, right. J E P H is how Jeff spelled, but yep. which I think is kind of cool. It started in August of 2003, and it has I think pretty consistently improved over the years, both in terms of the art, like we talked about, and also the complexities of like the storylines and, and the character arcs. There are a couple things that I really love about the comic. Um, I love that the AI thing is not a big deal. It's just sort of a part of the fabric of the the world that this is told from, and it's a world that's very close to ours. There just happen to be well, I guess. People. I mean, they're they're campaigning for civil rights at, at some points, kind of just in the background of this comic, but it's not a really big deal. Um, it's also super geeky. There are tons of references to indie rock bands I've never heard of, uh, but there are just as many references to Star Wars or XKCD or MST3K um, in, in one 
in one frame they're uh, kicking somebody out of the coffee shop and saying all right tom servo it's movie sign get the hell out (laughs) you know that's that's my kind of joke um and though it's written by a guy i think this comic has pretty much the best treatment of female characters of any kind of anything that i have read lately they are real people with real personalities real flaws they make realistic decisions that don't always revolve around the guys in the strip which is sometimes a nice change um and among the main characters i think the women actually outnumber the men by quite a bit which is super rare and from an artwork perspective they are not all super skinny or like super busty some of them are just super skinny some are sort of real nice curvy ladies and the guys are really like that too you get some chunky fellas and some some really cut dudes there's a little bit of everything um and it's rare that it's even mentioned it's just that people are people and and they look different um and actually come to think of it there's kind of a nice diversity of of races and skin color as well they don't really dwell upon it so i never I never really paid attention to that until I was rereading it and and now thinking and talking about it. And he also doesn't shy away from discussions of sexuality. There are people all over the spectrum, and it's just sort of an accepted thing, which I think is really great. It's just kind of refreshing to have it not be um, a, a really big deal. And in addition, he's also started taking on gender identity issues. Uh, Recently, he introduced a trans character named Claire, and I'm really, really loving this storyline and the character because she's just super sweet and lovable and adorable. And he apparently has worked really hard at doing the research and talking to people to try to make sure that he gets the storyline right because he recognizes what a big deal it is and doesn't want to screw it up um, as much as possible. And apparently, so far, the feedback has been really positive. so I just I'm completely enjoying it. And in addition to all the other sort of connections to the author things that we had talked about, he is also very open about his own mental health issues, which occasionally get in the way of putting out comics consistently. Uh, and I think that that openness is really great. I wish more people would talk about that sort of stuff to help destigmatize it. So that's that's the kind of thing that really makes me feel close to the author Um in, in a way that I don't necessarily get from from the little goofy jokes on some of the other web comics that I read and enjoy. It's great. I highly recommend. I will second Erica's um, recommendation of questionable content. That was on my list. It was pretty high up. If we were drafting it, I could no longer talk about it. Um, but it is it is delightful. Um, I used to live for many years in the city where it's set, and so it's and he he does lovely stuff of dropping stuff in the background of actual places around there so uh when i lived there it was like oh yeah that place and now it's like now i can nostalgically be like oh yeah that place so that's yeah cool nice tony do you have something you'd like to recommend since you don't have to recommend that one because it was recommended it's been recommended um i've got a bunch on here i'm gonna pick one that i guess will be slightly uh obscure by the metric that it does not have a wikipedia page um how about that um so i will recommend the webcomic uh nedroid n-e-d-r-o-i-d dot com uh, which actually has a website now i think when i was first reading it it was actually just images posted on like live journal pages <laughs> so that tells you a little bit about its its pedigree uh and the 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 artist who who uh, creates nedroid i think actually does uh like the coloring or or, uh, or other production stuff for other perhaps better known uh comics but nedroid is a comic that just makes me always feel uh much happier and better about life i guess it is kind of one of those like you know uh one gag comic occasionally there there are ongoing storylines but a lot of it is just uh jokes and it's uh about these two characters uh bertato or bertato depending on how you pronounce that who is a bear-shaped potato-shaped character and uh <laughs> reginald who is a bird 
shaped character uh, who is kind of his friend, but is kind of an awful, selfish jerk. And they go on adventures uh, and things happen. I, I would say that Nedroid is uh, is up there in terms of being perhaps one of the finest uh, quality comics in terms of the quality of the punchline delivered in the alt tag for images, which is, you know, a format to, to which, to my knowledge, is unique to uh, web comics. Um, obviously, XKCD is pretty well known for that, too. Uh, but Nedroid is a delightful comic that I've been reading for many years. I have some Nedroid shirts, which lets you know that I like Nedroid, I guess. Um, yeah, and it's great. Um, it's part of, um, I think it's part of the same kind of, there's a bunch of, of web comics who live in East Hampton and Western Massachusetts or who are associated with that collective, which I think yes. Jeff Jocks is part of. And I don't know mm-hmm. if, uh, if this guy actually lives there or if he just gets his stuff published through the same group. Uh, and, um, I know R. Stevens is, is affiliated with them too. Topatico. 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 I think it's Topatico. I don't know. Ren, Ren Caldwell used to work for them. Yes. I was actually just browsing the Topatico uh, merch site before we came here making my Christmas list. Yeah. Uh-huh. Topatico is for all of your Christmas needs, unless you know people that aren't great. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's right. So yeah. Dan, basically, is what you're saying, Tony. I didn't say that. Okay. I'm saying that that, that this that Nedroid is great in an right. alternate universe Tony is part of a comics collective in East Hampton, Massachusetts instead of having a gainful employment. But, you know, uh probably I have to like ride motorcycles in that alternate future too. So it's yeah. not so great. It's, All right, Nedroid. Good job, Tony. It's really late here. You, 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 you uh, turned into the spin there and you got it all straightened out. Glenn, do you have something to recommend? I have so many things. I'm going to pick one that I think is most amusing. And since I already mentioned Ali Bush, which is not amusing in the same way, Axe Cop. Axe Cop oh, is the yes. greatest thing <laughs> I ever. I have a story created. about Axe Cop. Oh, good. Ever created in any medium ever, forever. Um, axe Cop is a cop. And one day at the fire, the scene of the fire, he finds an axe. And on that day, he becomes Axe Cop. And um, it's a great conceit. It was this guy who's a, a comic book artist. He uh, has kind of a blended family. And he was spending time with his uh, one of his brothers, who's five. And he was, I think, 26 at the time. And they start, you know, riffing on stuff. And he's drawing things. And the, the little brother comes up with this axe cop idea. So he starts drawing comics and building plots and so forth. And they post some of the Facebook. And people go nuts. And then they, you know, cleans it up. And he produces a website and it's it was a, a huge phenomenon a few years ago when, when there was little less going on i think in both their lives lives before uh, the cartoonist had more going on uh and um it's just a it's crazy because it's what a five-year-old who's told okay tell me the next part of the story now next part of the story shaped by someone with a really great comic book sensibility so you know there's flute cop who when he's touched by dragon blood be- or dinosaur blood becomes dinosaur uh, cop and the names are all ridiculous there's a super Superheroes who are named Beautiful Girly Bob. They're all identical women. And there's, you know, there's bad guys. And Axe Cop just goes out and chops the heads off the bad guys. And, oh, why'd you kill all those people? They were all bad guys. And um, they turned it into uh, a web comic, a uh, web uh, animated series, too, uh, that I just watched a few weeks ago that is crazy. It's like the craziest thing I've ever seen created in that way because it has that five-year-old logic presented in a super professional comic way so it has none of the you know sort of tall marks like a five-year-old drawing it or animating it would be very different and you know they got Patton Oswald and some good names on it so I highly recommend it because it's just it's so weird and strange and funny and you can see all the all the kids influences but it's shaped into into stories that um that I think are really really entertaining Axe Cop 
I was at Penny Arcade Expo. I was playing Dungeons and Dragons, as you do. And I was at a room at a, in a, at a table and a another one of these stories, Tony, where you're playing D and D at Penny Arcade what? Expo. Yawn. Okay, go ahead. A man who appeared to be a police officer poked his head into the room, <laughs> looked at us, and said, "You kids aren't doing any drugs, are you?" And we nervously said, "No." And he said, "Okay then," and he left. And as far as I could tell, that guy was a police officer until one of my friends said. Did that police officer have an axe? Uh. <laughs> it was an axe cop cosplayer. I was not familiar with that. I saw a lot of axe cop costumes, including my friend Dean Putney dressed up as axe cop. I would Halloween. say that his his costume was dangerously on the level of impersonating being an for officer. legitimate <laughs> law enforcement. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. Uh, and he had an authentic cop mustache that you know yes. was not prosthetic. So Dean Putney yeah. heard in this show an episode blah, 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 on the Futurama episode. Yeah. Episode, episode of Fur. Yep. That's my Axe Cop story. Hopefully it was short enough Good, for you. good story. Good story, Tony. <laughs> good story. Time for one more sponsor break in the webcomics edition of The Incomparable. And it's somebody I've told you about before. I'd like to tell you about them again. It's lynda.com. lynda.com is an easy, affordable way to help individuals learn. You can stream thousands of different courses, and they're courses by the experts. Experts on business, on software, on web development, on graphic design, and more, you name it. Now, when I left my previous job, one of the benefits they actually gave us on our way out the door for a short period of time was lynda.com training. I thought that was really excellent, like to get us up to speed so when we look for our next job, we have knowledge that we can apply uh, through Lynda. And actually, when I was building sixcolors.com, I used lynda.com's CSS training uh, to help me and responsive design training to help me figure out how to set up the CSS and the web design for six colors because I did that myself using the brains of the experts at lynda.com. lynda.com's video training, if you haven't seen it, it's professionally done. They have these beautiful modern studios. They are not down in somebody's basement with bad lighting and you can't see what you're doing. And these are also, like I said, the experts doing this. So everything's crystal clear. They've got these beautiful studio. They've got this great technology. You can watch and learn on a smartphone, on a tablet, or on your computer in a web browser. There are searchable transcripts, playlists. You can get a certificate of course completion. Whether you're beginners or advanced people, you can find courses for you. It's at all levels and all for one low monthly price. You pay $25. You have access to the entire library. It's more than 100,000 video tutorials. And if you want to sign up for a premium plan, you can download courses to your iPhone or iPad and watch it offline. Any software you can think of, lynda.com can help you stay current. So really, it's a great deal. You have access to the entire library. I used it for web design. I've used it for logic. Name the kind of software you're interested in. Microsoft Office, Adobe Creative Suite. Uh, they're all there with courses on lynda.com. And here's a great thing about lynda. You get a chance to experience lynda.com for free for 10 days. Visit lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com slash incomparable to try it free for 10 days. And thank you so much to lynda.com for supporting the incomparable. I've mentioned it before, and so I'm just going to put it out there since this this was my impetus to uh, to organize this episode, which is Nimona, which is coming out uh, by Noel Stevenson. You can get it in, you can read it at gingerhazing.com slash Nimona. Uh, and it's a really enjoyable story that is now complete, so you can read the whole thing. Uh, it starts out as there's a villain. His name is Ballister Blackheart. 
it, it is a hilarious, weird combination of a fantasy and technology. Like it's there's a castle and stuff, but there's also like a TV station and scientists. Um, and Ballister Blackheart is the villain, but and you get the sense very early that he's had a a, a horrible falling out with Golden Loin, who is the hero <laughs> of the kingdom. And um, Nimona appears to Ballister Blackheart and basically says, "I want to be the villain's sidekick. I uh, I can change shape, and and I've got some big plans." And you, you know, basically, she tries to egg him on and say, "You you haven't been enough of a supervillain. Uh, let me help you out, boss." And she, you know, she appears as this as this young girl, uh, but she's got these powers. And then the story, uh, over time, as the the art gets richer and the story gets richer, because uh, the artist is really learning her craft as she goes, and you can see it. Um, uh, the story, the relationship between Nimona and, and and Ballister, the relationship between Ballister and Goldenloin, the secrets of what's going on in this kingdom and how it's being operated uh, by uh, some sinister forces at work is. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I really love the mixing up of the uh, of the genres, and uh, and the Blackheart Golden Loin relationship is uh, actually sort of super adorable. Um, and, and heavily hol- heavily shipped. Yes. Oh, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> and intent and intentionally so. But it's actually it's a it's a huge amount of fun. Uh, the fact that you've got Blackheart and Golden Loin as your blonde <laughs> superhero and your black hearted villain uh who's actually your main character and jason is isn't it true that your your that golden line is the inspiration for your D D character on uh, my imagination <laughs> peter peter dragonforge is golden loin essentially so i, yes. I want to establish for the record your level of nerdery <laughs> yes you have a dungeons and dragon dragons character inspired by a webcomic character i do so. indeed yeah. well, wouldn't I, be called peter golden loin though because that would be too much you just changed everything in my my head uh, about. Yep. Now, Peter, I'm never going to be able to look at Peter I was like, again. Uh, well, yeah, I I wanted it to be a big, uh, you know, like uh, it's Captain Handsome. He's blonde and fa- handsome and fancy, and he's a fancy man. And Golden Loin is that. Um, anyway, it, I, it's great. Um, it's coming out as a book. I'm kind of fascinated to see whether whether she's going to do like relettering or actually even redrawing some of the pages because the art style changed so drastically between the first like 20 installments and the rest of the the other 140 pages or whatever. But uh, it's huge, huge fun to the point that you know I've read it uh, multiple times now uh, since it has come to an end and it's got a nice story end. So I oh, I, I haven't like had it. a chance to read it yet, but she has a, a print comic called. Uh, uh, Lumber James, yeah, which I have not read, but all of my friends who have better taste in comics than I do say is excellent. So I've heard yeah. excellent things about that as well. Yeah, Nimona is tricky because, uh, right? I think Jason, as you're saying, is like it. It, it didn't start this ambitious. I don't think no. I'm not sure she had the whole plot worked out. And I can't remember. Did I tell you about it? Or you told me about it. You told me about it. Right? I think so. Yeah. And oh, I yeah. was like, Jason's oh, I'll check it. into this. And then like an <laughs> hour and forty five minutes later, I'd read the whole thing or yeah. three hours. It was like I was probably in the middle of a work day, and I just. I didn't actually realize what yeah. I was doing, and you and I were um, probably tr- doing that at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> it was, and then oh, and then I posted a link. I'm like, oh my god, Jason told me about this amazing thing, and then other people were like, God damn you! I just spent an yes. hour and forty five minutes. It was this, it was a virus, but uh, it's an incredible narrative scope there's world building and then there's stuff that's developing and i think like this is a danger of working without a net you know in in real time and i mean obviously daily cartoonists have dealt with this for 
you know, a hundred years where they're doing stuff and the stuff that has a, a narrative flow to it. Uh, and, um, you know, the, the oldest joke is that the Spider-Man cartoon that's been around forever is like the slowest moving cartoon ever a comic strip ever developed where Monday someone sneezes and on Friday someone says Gesundheit. Yeah. And, and the next you know, Monday so, they start with a recap. <laughs> so, last remember Peter was sneezing and then Mary Jane. So, uh, oh. but, but most strips, you know, they're, they work some stuff out. They have to plan. And she was kind of, I don't know how much from whole cloth she went. So now that she's completed this really uh, remarkable, ambitious arc, you know, a, she's clear. I mean, will she go back and redraw the early stuff? I suspect so because it's going into a book. So maybe she'll preserve some of the feel, but, but recreate it so that it's more consistent. And will she work out any of the narrative stuff? I mean, Jason, I know that you weren't delighted with the way it ended, I guess. No, no, I, I, I like that. Ha- oh. I was, oh, ha- okay. I have no comments about how it ended. I, I think it's, uh, I think it's kind of nice. I, I, I don't know. It, it's, like you said, it's working without a net. I think she also decided she wanted to end the story, and literally the way the story is told, she could have kept going, <laughs> but she says no, that, that's enough. Especially now that she's got other comics she's working on in the book deal and has some other projects, I think she thought that was a fitting kind of end. Although my understanding is that she also wanted the part of the book deal is that there's a uh, an epilogue that's only going to be in the book. Oh yeah, yeah. So we'll get so, a little more yeah. closure there too. I I felt it could have been a little stronger at the end. I felt that she had set a target to finish it. And and rushed a bit headlong. Although there's some magnificent stuff at the end, not to, not to um, you know denigrate any of that, but I felt like she was rushing headlong towards a denouement that wasn't totally didn't all mesh together as neatly as possible. So maybe the epilogue yeah. well, but but very I mean remarkably satisfying. It's like watching someone write their first sci-fi or fantasy novel and have this incredibly rich, intricate thing that's different than anything that you quite seen. Before, I mean, there are aspects of, of different fantasy sci-fi hybrids in it, but it was her own thing. And the sense of humor is quirky and the drawing is quirky and it just works. It's it's an amazing thing for someone to come out of the gate and build and, and gain. You know, she'd post a comic and there'd be 460 comments on it within hours from people following it by the end. It's an incredible thing she did, both in terms of scope and community building. Yeah, lots of fan art and stuff, too. Uh, yeah. So, Nimona, you should read it. It's free. Uh, or you can wait and get the book. Uh, we are probably only have time to go around one more time, so I feel like perhaps this is this can serve as the bring out your dead round, <laughs> where I'm just going to give each of you the floor to talk about other comics you want to talk about, and then that will be the end of the episode. Uh, let's start with John. I was going to pull out uh, one that's not too obscure, Perry Bible Fellowship. Oh, oh that was yeah. on my list. Fans was on my list. list. Yeah. yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand that comic, and I occasionally forget it exists, and I don't even know if it's still running. And Not the actually. percentage of of ones that I find funny is low, and yet the ones I find funny, I find <laughs> hilarious. Uh, so I keep recurring to it. I, I've corresponded with the guy, and I've said, like, "Look, I could I help you improve your website?" <laughs> he's a really nice guy. He's a friend what of friends. Ne- next and previous buttons. I'm just that kind like, of technology. Maybe like, you get one of those. Web yeah, I'm like, from Tony. you understand that I can't search on. He's like, wait, come again. There's pages. I'm like, well, if I want to find the type, and I uh, he just couldn't. You know, he, he's a really interesting, creative. I think very introverted. Uh, introverted guy and i think he appreciates the attention he did a book but yeah the site is unnavigable but it's amazing <laughs> and very similar is uh space avalanche spaceavalanche.com is very similar to that i don't even know if it's the same guy i can't even tell i also forget the space avalanche exists until it comes up again i'm like oh yeah that exists and i take a look at it uh god what else is in my feeds 
Uh, those are those are the two ones I wanted to throw out there. If you've never heard of me with one of those, there you can just grind through the entire series in less than three hours. So it's not like Nimona. Perry Bible Fellowship. There are new episodes being produced, or new installments, but I think he's working on a bunch of other stuff. And this, he doesn't have the same fervor. But every once in a while, there'll be a new one that comes out, like the beach ball, the hanging, rotating beach ball one, which is yes. amazing. All right, uh, Erica, do you have more that you would like to talk about? I do. I do. I'll try to keep it short. Um, the the one that I was just thinking of when we were talking about D&D is uh, called Order of the Stick, which mm-hmm. is a webcomic that very lovingly satirizes tabletop RPGs, um, specifically Dungeons and Dragons. And the characters are all stick figures, as you might have guessed from the title, but they have surprisingly effective and emotive faces. Um, and they're, you know, an adventuring crew made up of the usual suspects. You got a fighter, a rogue, bard, paladin, a ranger, a wizard, all those kind of things. Um, and it's just, it's super meta. They're constantly referring to in-world events and items using D&D terms. So like, you know, saying, oh, just what I need, another random encounter on the way to blah, blah, blah. Or, okay, so this belt you gave me, it gives you the strength of a giant. Are we talking a plus four type giant or a plus six kind of giant? <laughs> like that kind of stuff, which is just hilarious. Or they're con- commenting on the content of the strip itself, like referring back to past storylines as past storylines um mm. and there's no shortage of puns i know if you're a fan of the incomparable you're you're probably kind of okay with puns um <laughs> like the uh, the bard uses puns when he attacks uh in, in episode uh, or in issue 684 specifically there are six panels of beatles song related puns during a fight scene with some beetle people some bug guys so oh. it's, it's it's kind of glorious um it's just incredibly fun the characters are well developed and hilarious and the storylines are like a really good rpg adventure so what's not to like um and then i'll just do a couple of honorable mentions um sluggy freelance was my very first webcomic uh i've read most of it twice and some of it more than that and it is a pretty much daily comic that started in august of 1997 so that's a lot um and it's it follows the adventures of some some you know crazy people and they're crazy not quite pets um, and it's it's hard to describe a comic that's been going um, since probably some of the listeners were in diapers, but I can safely say that it's fun most of the time. And when it's not exactly fun, it's usually because there's a pretty heavy arc-based storyline going on that generally, genuinely pulls on my heartstrings. Um, he kind of goes back and forth between light and silly stories and, and truly epic plots. Uh, the, the silly ones are, are usually the things that I care about the least, like um, parodies like Torg Potter and the Sorcerer's Nuts or Muffin the Vampire Baker, <laughs> that kind of silly thing. Um, but the epic plots are, plots are truly, truly epic. And there's so much continuity. He does a great job of keeping track of things. Um, he even includes references reference links after the comics so if he's referring to something that happened 12 years ago you can just click the link and go back and see the you know where it's all coming from because you know maybe you're not going to remember what was happening when bill clinton was president i certainly don't (laughs) um so anyway i I quite enjoy that there i have a few minor issues with it but i'm not going to get into those because i'm going to just stay happy here um, and then the the other couple I just wanted to quickly mention, one is is uh, one that's actually finished its run and finished it quite a while ago, and it's called User Friendly, which is a Canadian uh, comic strip, which was set in Canada at an uh, internet service provider, a fictional one. And it's just, it's very much aimed at tech audiences, lots of IT and programming and gaming-based jokes. It's just about the, the humor of the stuff that happens working in a tech-based world. But there's a decent amount of character um, development and and storyline and there's a little little romance and it's just sweet 
Um, and then I've also been trying to catch up on Dinosaur Comics, which um, another Canadian one, actually. And that's not why I like the comic, though. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's incidental. <laughs> but I like it because it's funny and inventive. Every single strip, almost every single strip, uses exactly the same artwork um, in the six panels. And you might not think that's exactly a haven for creativity, but when you're constrained that much by the art or lack of art, it really makes you stretch to find other ways to make things interesting. Um, so I, I, I just enjoy watching the the dialogue play out and the interesting ways of, of sort of using the characters without actually changing anything on the screen at all every time. Uh, and then that's one that has, we talked about like the alt text um, the titles. There are a few Easter eggs with each strip of this one. I actually only found out about one of them today when I was looking at it on Wikipedia. You So you can mouse over and you can read the title tag. Um, but also in the subject line of the contact email address every day, it has something different, which I am excited to, to check out now. <laughs> and then also, if you read through the archives, uh, when you link in through the archives, the archives actually has a line or two of text from the author about the comic or his process of, of creating it or or whatever so there's a lot of layers to dinosaur comics that are that are really fun i know the canadian content laws i'm not sure if you're allowed to talk about them but i realize you do have to rep, you know recommend 75 <laughs> the 30 percent canadian strips but yeah. I, I know you can't talk yep <laughs> well to to finish that off and make sure i hit my 30 uh 30 percent or whatever it is a quick shout out to um a sort of new-ish uh, comic bookshelf doctors which is actually done by my friend warren from the radio free scarrow podcast he takes what he refers mm, to as so his doctor who his doctor who action dollies which are his action figures and sets them up on his bookshelf and and has them you know face each other puts them in amusing little scenarios and then adds little talkie bubbles mm. uh, and has them talk to each other and usually there's just three or four panels and they're they're totally gags and they're very much the kind of inside gags that you're probably only going to get if you're a pretty hardcore Doctor Who fan. Uh, but that is me. I am the target audience, <laughs> and I like it. I think that, that those are very funny. The fo- Just photographs of little uh, Doctor Who figures with funny dialogue. It's great. Uh, Tony, what do you have? Hi. Uh, so we mentioned Diesel Sweeties. We mentioned XKCD. Uh, so we made sure those were those were mentioned. Uh, other ones I've got on my list here: um, "Piled Higher and Deeper" is a very long-running web comic, which is basically uh, to graduate students what uh, I guess Dilbert is to office workers. Um, so it's it's very amusing uh, if you have ever spent a extended period of time in academia, um, but also therefore somewhat depressing. But that's how it goes. Uh, <laughs> "American Elf" is a uh, an example of a format that I um, is you know not unique to web comics, but I think it's really interesting, which is uh, diary comics. So American Elf is uh, by James Kolchaka, who's a published comics uh, artist, but he maintained for many years, it's no longer running uh, a daily uh, comic diary that he would maintain. That was, that was pretty neat and interesting. I like that format. Uh, and then the other one I'll mention, because it, it used to be in my college newspaper, and now it only exists as a web comic, uh, Buttercup Festival, which is a very strange, very kind of surreal uh, comic that you, I, I cannot explain it. You need to see it and read <laughs> 10 strips of it and hopefully find it funny or we're not friends anymore. Sorry. That's it Uh-oh. for me. What was that? What? Buttercup, Buttercup what? Buttercup Festival. A festival, all right. I feel like I've heard of that one, but I've never really? read it. Hey, Tony, you okay. know how old I am? Our college newspaper's comic strip was Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> oh. Yeah. You, Calvin and Hobbes reprints. That's what you're saying? No. Wait, there was Calvin and Hobbes in it? Both of them? Yeah. I have, you know, I've read the the... 
college newspaper strips that Bill Watterson made uh, before he did Calvin and Hobbes, oh. which are weird. Um, but yeah. Uh, okay, Glenn, what do you have left? I got a I got a bunch, but I will keep it small because I'm small. Uh, Dylan McConus is uh, I will disclosure friend of mine. Uh, she is a really talented artist who sort of took to the web in this remarkable way, and she's just very productive and does really interesting stuff. And she's got this long series going on called Family Man. There's a very detailed. I think she's in the second volume. Is almost done with that, and she produced. She's printed the first, um, but so she's doing it. You know, sort of live online and drawing kind of in real time. And she has it plotted out. Um, it's much more like you know work of fiction that she has a. I think a more exact idea. But she also did a series called bite me about vampires and uh in like uh revolutionary france i think and um one of her first outings was out fox which is a really lovely beautifully drawn uh drawn um short account that's almost a parable um love her work and um she's also involved with we didn't mention pvp which is uh less the guy who behind it works with penny arcade on stuff it's part of penny arcade it's sort of like more and less problematic so we'll, we'll get to the people side but pvp is a game development company uh, uh you know that's where the plot happens and there's like some kind of giant creature no one knows what he is he's sort of well-meaning and a talking cat and so forth but it's it's actually quite funny it's got a plot and dylan now uh if i recall right she is scripting it and he's drawing it or maybe vice versa because he's got other projects he's working on as well the fellow behind scott kurtz yes that's right because they've also got a strip called in in the trenches which is a co-venture with penny arcade that i'm not as excited about it's a little more a little more wonky uh but pvp is as uh can be fun. I was going to mention Wondermark, which is a long-running strip by David Malky, super nice guy, super funny, and he started out by using um, almost like what Tom Tomorrow did with uh, uh, This Modern uh, World um, decades ago, which evolved into a drawn strip. Um, David Malky found old art, you know, public domain artwork. He's actually a filmmaker. He's not a cartoonist by trade. He found old public domain artwork and started combining it and putting captions on it and, you know, making essentially strips out of pieces. And he's wound up becoming kind of an expert on um, engraving and early periods of cartooning because he's done so much research. And if you watch the movie Stripped, he comes up with some really great historical observations because he's looked at decades worth of stuff during the transition from engra- engraving to photography when cartooning is invented because you have all these engravers who suddenly have no jobs. And it, he's, he's Wondermark is it's a lot of hilarious standalone things, the juxtaposition of absurdity of having you know, old-fashioned people say things, but it's very cleverly scripted. And he had the strip recently that went viral about Gamergate about with a sea lion, which has now become pretty much instantly became a meme. And now everyone talks about oh, someone sea yeah. lioning into your comments. It's because because he developed a strip like three weeks ago. It was so perfect that the term, I mean, literally the term became a meme like within a, a f- hours it was yeah. being used. Um, I'd also mention uh, Modest Medusa is an interesting long running strip that's got a strong narrative to it. It's very sweet about a, it's sort of like baby Medusa. She can't turn to you old to stone yet, but it's a lot more clever than that. A lot of interesting world um, stuff and some great sort of casual characterization. Uh, and what else? Oh, Chainsaw Suit. I'm a latecomer to that strip. Um, and it's just funny as hell. It's just a very funny, uh, um, it's almost like it's a little gag comic but it's like more like if Steve Martin did a comic strip, it's more like what he would do than, say, a daily comic strip. And it's very tied into both, like, video games and the online 
vibe. Um, and there's also a podcast that he that they do that's associated Chainsaw Podcast, which is also quite strange at times. Sometimes just very straightforward, other times very odd, but but interesting as well. All right, I'm going to also mention uh, some some mailed in uh, choices from people who couldn't make this. Uh, Andy Anako wanted to mention Girls with Slingshots, The Abominable Charles Christopher, and Connie to the Wani. Okay. Uh, and he's not here to explain himself. And David Lore wanted to mention Pibgorn, which is by Brooke McEldowney, Mikkel- I think, who does Nine Chickweed Lane in the newspapers, but this is the webcomic, and so it's weirder and more fantastical, and he likes that. So those are out there. Pibgorn? Pibgorn? I don't know. Say it fast. Oh, and you can't oh tell. wow. I'd forgotten about You know, I, I read that years ago, and I actually completely forgot it existed. This is the problem with having so much plenty, is I was doing some research to remind myself of ones that I read, and um, I actually literally. I mean, I shouldn't say literally. I've found tons of ones that I was reading years ago and forgotten. And uh, if you look at. Um, if you try to find lists of web comics, most of the sites that have lists are unmanageably large. They're like Yahoo was, you know, a year after Yahoo started in the nineties. You're like, well, there's a few websites. Well, here's a bunch. Let's put them into categories. Okay. We just give up. There's just yeah. like, it's just, there's th- like, I found three different sites that each had, I think thousands of listings and none of them were complete, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Lots of comics out there. Any, anything else we should uh, mention before we go? Yeah. I want to throw in uh camp. We don't want you which I think is one of the best titles of a comic strip ever. This this came out of the Penny Arcade strip search reality show where they had people auditioning to be a comic artist, and then Penny Arcade put them up for a year in their facilities and promoted their comic. But uh, the winner of the contest was named Katie Rice, and her comic strip is about a camp where you drop off your kids and then you'd never come back. So it's Camp We Don't Want You. <laughs> and, and so it's just a bunch of these young kids uh, drawn in a very interesting sort of big bobblehead art style uh, stuck at this camp. And the adventures they get up to, and how they how they deal in a world without adults. Uh, and again, I'm the attachment I feel to it is driven in large part by watching the reality show and knowing how like she, you know, she was an artist, she was a professional artist working on like television shows and Nickelodeon or whatever, but always wanted to do her own thing and went on this weird reality show thing and won the contest and now is is you know has to draw her strip and you know is trying to uh, make a go of it by herself. And that aspect of it draws me in just as much as the strip itself but the strip is adorable too all right well this has been a lot of fun i feel like now we could all do what uh, we described earlier which is just descend into browser tabs and never ever come back to the surface <laughs> yep but in a good way <laughs> so we we'd like to thank uh everybody out there because we've ruined your lives and you will never do anything productive ever again so thanks for that uh you, no 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 don't thank us Thank you. And I would like to thank my guests for making this possible. John Syracuse, thank you very much for being here. I still feel like I have more webcomics, but I guess we're done, huh? I, I, I said bring out your dead. You got more dead? Do it now. It wasn't a draft. I would have had a longer list. No, it's fine. It's done. We're over. That's all right. Yeah, find more webcomics. I bet if you start from the webcomics we, we provided you, you could you find, like, find more. I bet, I bet you're right. Mm-hmm. Erica Ensign, thank you for all of the great webcomics you talked about tonight. Thank you. Yeah, actually, most of the ones that I found were just through the other webcomics I was yeah. reading. It's a, it's, a, it's a slippery slope, guys. Yeah, it's like Wikipedia with comics. You just keep clicking and you're like, wow, I got to click on that link too uh glenn fleischman thank you for being here a pleasure thank you for doing this episode yes yes of course of course and tony sindelar thank you for being here 
always fun to talk to you every night in a row, Jason. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye, nerds. (laughs) Goodbye, nerds. (laughs) And thanks, everybody out there. I hope you enjoy spending the rest of your life reading webcomics that we recommended to you. We will see you next time. getting toward the end of the year and you know what that means very soon we're going to be recording our best of 2014 episode and we want to have your comments involved so send us an email podcast at the incomparable.com or tweet us at the incomparable